Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2023. My name is Amato, he, him, and with me are... Tori, they, them. And Della, she, her. But you might know me by my more famous criminal name, um, Magic Flute Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> That's solid. good. That's actually yeah. good. <laughs> We are recording, of course, today from an undisclosed location, but we will drop several hints as we go along as to where that might be. Mm-hmm. Sounds hard. <laughs> and you might even learn something about history in the process. That sounds dangerous. <laughs> I'm definitely going to forget to drop any hints about where we are. But you Oh, know. yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, that, it's a fun thing to say. <laughs> and I'm definitely going to forget to pepper in information about historical landmarks. So I feel like we do that anyways. <laughs> so, well, we don't have to remember to do it. If we, never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I'm delighted to confirm that we're talking about a Carmen Sandiego fanfic today. Mm -hmm. Specifically, a where on earth is Carmen Sandiego fanfic, not to be confused with where in the world is Carmen Sandiego, which is a totally different thing. Before I did my Mm. research for this, I was confused. Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's a good point. Well, I am more familiar with where on earth is Carmen Sandiego. Me too. I I don't remember seeing where in the world very much. It it was earlier, wasn't it? I mean, I think they overlap, but... Mm. No, it was on PBS. Okay. Yeah. I think maybe I didn't watch PBS really. No, I, I watched a lot of Where in the World and Where in Time is Carmen San Diego. Mm-hmm. I, I watched it every day because, like, we only had, you know, over the air television channels. Mm-hmm. So PBS was one of the best things to watch as a kid. <laughs> so for, that was entertaining. Yeah. So Where in the World is Carmen San Diego came out in 91 and right. it was categorized as a game show. It is a game show. So it's a very oddly yeah, themed yes. game show. It's literally a game show. They have three kids contestants. They have the chief who comes in and talks about stuff. And mm-hmm. They have the host. I do vaguely recall this, but I remember more Where on Earth, which right. is a cartoon sort of vaguely based on that because you also have a live action kid who is the player. Well, they're all based on the games. Yeah, it's based off the, the, yes. computer, games. Uh, the computer games. Also, Where in Time was a better game show, I think. <laughs> I, I think I just like the sci-fi angle. I don't well, remember which game I would rather I do had. history questions than geography questions anyway. <laughs> Was that what the difference is? Isn't it? Well, where on earth versus, or where in the world versus where on well, time. Where in the world is like basic um, knowledge, to, which includes geography, but does also includes a lot of, a lot of um, oh. culture. Oh, okay. I didn't really remember because, again, I didn't watch too much of that. Yeah. Eventually, you know, through high school choir, I got kind of into acapella music. And mm-hmm. then like I got a acapella CD and went and saw them in concert. But like, I didn't really remember them. So it was like, at some point I found out, I was like, oh, and they did that Carmen Sandiego song. It's like, oh, okay, got it. Oh, jeez. Mm. They definitely performed that in concert by popular demand. Oh, jeez. So, so weird to come at it through the acapella right. angle <laughs> rather than the uh, Carmen Sandiego angle. Well, the other angle would be the Folgers angle. Oh. Because they did the Folgers commercial. Oh, wow. You know. That sounds right. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so many catchy things from my childhood. Sung by Rockapella, yes. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that they're good, but I will say they were definitely the things that stuck in my head. Well, they are very good at acapella. Mm-hmm. I, you know, mm-hmm. um, th- that's not necessarily, those are not necessarily right. their like most technically accomplished songs. Or whatever. Well, also, did they arrange those songs? They write that's them? That's the question. Or I don't know. Just the, yeah. I don't know the history there. Well, the, yeah. yeah, that's never what it is, though, with, a, with any performance, with any band. You know, their, mm-hmm. their best song is different than their most famous song. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, we're talking about we're on Earth. It's Carmen Sandiego, the Fox Kids edutainment cartoon. Yes, it, uh, produced by Deke, who did a lot of like um, edutainment stuff, didn't they? I mean, or maybe they were just they were Canadian based, right? So everything they mm-hmm. did had to have like a minimum educational thing. Well, something passed in America where they needed like a couple hours of um, uh, edutainment. Okay. Uh, info for uh, shows for kids. And the um, this particular season, the uh, computer company that made the the video game, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember it offhand. I, I did look this up a whole, all this week <laughs> earlier. They required that um, all the uh, We're on Earth scripts had to be approved by them first okay. to, make, to make sure it wasn't, one, too violent, or two, actually did contain uh, enough trivia. <laughs> wow. That's great. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was this weird, it came out in 94, this show, and it was this weird balance of, well, it was actually four seasons, so it probably didn't end until, no, it didn't end until 99. It was this weird balance of like 90s action cartoon yeah, right. and well, educational programming. Like, I found this uh, website, um, www.criticalhit.com, an infographic about the evolution of the Carmen San Diego logos. Okay. And to set the tone for what it says for the 1994 We're on Earth logo, um, the cartoon series on Fox Kids was typed We're on Earth instead of We're in the World to differentiate it from the PBS game show. The logo used a widely different color scheme featuring a silhouette by New Mutants artist Bill... Dang, really? Bill, (laughs) unpronounceable last name? Yeah. Jeez, he did the logo? It's a really good logo, by the way. Who also designed the characters Zack and Ivy. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're also, I, I did think their character designs were pretty good when I was like watching an episode there. But uh, Bill Sienkiewicz? Sienkiewicz? I think Sienkiewicz is what I've... Uh, really? I, yeah. yeah. I would have crazy. said it the way Della said it. But, no, yeah. I, I just, from listening to podcasts about X-Men yeah. comics oh, and New Mutants, that's, yeah. that's what I've heard other people say. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. He, and I love him too. He, he's the, yeah, he's the one where like, if you were reading New Mutants back in the day and mm-hmm. like, he comes on board and suddenly you're like, what is this art? Because he was like... <laughs> it's out of control. It was the craziest art in a mainstream superhero comic book that like was existed at that time. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. I'm, I'm, we're, we're, we're kind of talking about how we know Carmen San, San Diego franchise in general. Right. We're kind of jumping around. But I think we should talk more about visual things on this audio <laughs> podcast. But uh, I did watch a lot of Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego when I was a kid, too. Mm-hmm. I, I have, Although, like, I thought about it. I didn't have any, like, like specific memories. I just got the general impression that Carmen Sandiego was cool. You know, <laughs> I was just thinking that when you were describing, like, oh, you need to run the scripts by us for, like, these reasons. Mm-hmm. It, it made me think of the Comics Code Authority, right, back in the day. Where like, oh, all of these 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 comics have to be suitable for kids and therefore you can't do this, this and this. Yeah. One of the Comics Code Authority things was like, you can't make crime look cool and glamorous. Mm. And I was thinking, well, this show did not have to do that because I, I watched an episode and goddamn, does Carmen Sandiego seem oh, cool yeah. and glamorous? I, I went back and rewatched most of season four. Okay. Mm. Actually, yeah. All but two episodes of season four. And thinking back, it's like, you know, I probably didn't have the words for it at the time, but little, little kid Della probably had the biggest crush on both. 
Carmen San Diego and Ivy. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's the thing is they're both badasses and the yeah. show does not shy away from the fact that those are the lead characters and that they are women and that they kick ass. I, I started cool. watching, I, I watched most of a Carmen San Diego episode, okay? Mm-hmm. And I, I chose it because it starts in Tokyo and I was like, okay, I'm going to do the Japan one. But obviously it goes different places. Mm-hmm. It starts off with this super high security bank, you know, vault in Japan and some guy explaining how impenetrable it is. And Carmen San Diego walks in with like these super spy gadgets Breaks into the center, leaves her hat and a note that says that I could have taken anything I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And then this episode goes uphill from there because the player is like, oh, you couldn't have done that with her, all her your high tech gadgets. And she's like, I'm still the greatest thief in the world, even without my high tech gadgets. And the rest of the episode is her like stealing the Orient Express or something without any of her super spy gear. I don't know. It's just like so good. Yeah. I, yeah. I- <laughs> It is. And I, oh, I also wanted to point out, too, that like Carmen Sandiego isn't some nebulous figure designed to, you know, teach you history by stealing the pyramids in this. She's a real character. And I so what I watched, I vaguely remember the show, but I really don't remember any of the plot points. But what I did rewatch for this was the two episodes that this fanfic specifically references. Uh, Avalon ones. The ones, yeah, with Avalon, who is presumably Carmen Sandiego's father. It's called something like the word home is in the title. Darn it. I just had it. But but those are the last two of the series, apparently. Right. And within those, there's a lot of sympathy, you know, for Carmen coming from the two kids. Um, Zach and I. Ivy and Zach. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say Ivy and Zach because, come on, <laughs> we know who the lead is here. I mean, yeah. Yeah. To do with the sound, bell sounds, I think. Yeah. But it's like one of those <laughs> things where like, and Carmen towards them, like there's this whole thing where like there's this guy trying to play her. Um, We can get into that because later because it kind of comes up. But, mm-hmm. um, but like the kids are just the kid detectives, the Acme detectives <laughs> are like, basically teaming up with Carmen and they're talking to each other like, you know, we respect you and we care about you and all of this. And yeah. it's really interesting, like seeing that, um, considering that and then Carmen is like the same way back towards them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's funny. It's, uh, I watched, I started with the uh, first episode just to see what kind of onboarding they did for the viewers. Uh-huh. And for the first season, it just follows the formula. Carmen shows up, Carmen steals mm-hmm. something. They get it, they foil Carmen's plans while, and they get the item back while Carmen, Carmen escapes. Like, that was right. literally it for the first season. And then they started adding, like, character backstory stuff. <laughs> and making, right. like, like, about her former work as an Acme agent and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, getting more involved with the detectives oh, and, like, right. helping each other out at certain points when, like, like they'd be chasing each other. Then one of them would be in mortal danger and they'd both stop and <laughs> right <laughs> help each other. Yeah. Uh, this must have been the first series to establish any sort of like backstory for Carmen Sandiego. Right? I, well, it, no. it comes up in no? the in like well, the, yeah, the computer games kind of have different conflicting stories, mm. but the fact that she's formerly an Acme agent was not first established in the cartoon. Okay, I did my wiki research. <laughs> first came up in the Wearing Time video game, where it was the twist at the end. Mm, okay, which uh, kind of explained why the tone of the chief in the game talked uh, affectionately of, about Carmen. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because those games are often... Um, it's been a while. Are they? Do they have a voiceover or is it... Yeah, they have voiceover. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the deluxe version had voiceover and CD-ROM stuff. And, yeah. you know, it was uh, like... Uh, 
the era when you could get on a floppy or CD, probably, right? Well, mm-hmm. early ones was like late 80s, and then like the show came out, and, and the, that was like what, 94? And then they had like the re- remaster, re release, and then went, went off from there. Mm-hmm. Now, not to get too into the weeds, but the game I remember having was kind of frustrating because you had to scan the picture for clues with a magnifying glass. Mm-hmm. That was the main thrust of the Carmen Sandiego game that I had. I don't know if that's the one y'all had, but I don't. I didn't have. I remember game. going pixel by pixel uh, with the magnifying pixel glass. Hunting. <laughs> yeah, because you'd have to find the clue, but sometimes it it was so specific that you'd end up scanning slowly back and forth all the way down the image. I don't think that's the gameplay in all the games, but that's I don't, I don't I remember the games too clearly, but I remember playing one as a kid. I don't know. Well, I, mm. you know, didn't have any cable, didn't have any computer games growing up. I, I have a vague memory of like playing one at school, at like a library or something mm. for like 20 minutes. <laughs> and I, I think it was an older one because the memory I have is kind of closer to to like DOS games. Yeah. Where, yeah this or, would or, have been or, a CD-ROM or, game, I'm pretty yeah. sure. And it would have been older than that. And it might it, have been DOS. Eh, gave a list of options and said like, oh, they found this clue and they found uh, Deutschmarks and they found this. Where could Carmen have gone? And gives you a few choices. And you mm. also use your knowledge to figure it out. I remember thinking that you couldn't play that today because a lot of the clues were about where in Europe is Carmen San Diego, and a lot of the clues they used was the uh, monetary system, oh. what, what currencies she used, and it's like, <laughs> like doing it today would be it's euros, and well, I guess you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, <laughs> that's actually hilarious. You know, yeah, no, a lot of these things have changed. They, I was uh, people still call Beijing Peking because that came I mean, up maybe. in but the episode I was watching. You know, I, I was like random. I was impressed by a couple of things in the episode I was watching. One that like when they're in Japan, the Japanese security guards are speaking Japanese. They do that like, everywhere. Where subtitled the- Japanese, yeah, not yes. just English in a faux Japanese accent. Yeah, like it, it was very cool. They, they, they do that everywhere. That like when in Italy they're speaking speaking Italian. Uh, there's one where um what where it has like the lead. Jordan character mm. and he's like trying to deceive the acne agents they're in Greece he asks a local in, in Greek have you seen a woman in red and she's like and he's like yeah I'm the, the up in that temple up there go and then Ivy says what, what did he say and he said uh he said he didn't know and it looked like rain <laughs> 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 and then like she asked Zach later she remembers a couple of words and he's like I did something like temple go I don't know <laughs> And, <laughs> yeah, and also I like that they don't follow the trap of being like a country is a place because like, you know, for example, also in the episode I watched, mm-hmm. um, they get a clue that points towards seems points towards Spain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Zach's comment is great. Spain is only 175,000 square miles. <laughs> Should be easy to find. Her. We'll stand on a chair like they have to. That's and, actually pretty funny. Chair. <laughs> <laughs> like. Countries are very big places. They're not like yeah. a location. Yeah, yeah the, the clues normally narrow it down to a landmark. Right, right. Yeah. And and the, I like to, you know, <laughs> at least from what I was thinking about, it's like they kind of kept their scope narrow. Like they researched the things they wanted to give information about and they didn't try to like extrapolate cultural norms yeah. to entire right. countries. Exactly. Like you just said, Amato, yeah. which <laughs> is an all too common pitfall, especially in early 90s American media. So yeah. I mean, just all night American media then at that point. Yeah. <laughs> it's period. Like, I, I remember, because, like, the memories I had watching the show was, like, the, 
that what I came away with was that Carmen doesn't really do anything that bad. I don't know why they're so upset with it all the time. And then rewatching it as an adult, the the first episode, the first thing she does is place this device over um, Van Gogh's self portrait and cuts a strip of the eyes out. (laughs) That's pretty bad. And I'm like, no, no, Carmen, no. <laughs> well, and that's, that's the other thing is, why is she stealing these? Well, that, that's things the be- to begin with. Well, like, that's why she's so charming. She can, is because yeah. she never does. Like all of her crimes are so pointless that it's charming. It's like <laughs> you know, in in the opening segment, mm-hmm. like okay, she's stealing a valuable statue, like you know, some lion statue. She's stealing like a sarcophagus, but then she's stealing like the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, and it's like. You know, even if you could steal the Statue of Liberty, <laughs> what would the point of doing that be? Because and, you can't. And that's the that's yeah. the point, right? Is that's right. that's why she's so charming. Is like she doesn't want the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> she just wants to see if she can take it. Yeah. And, well, it's and, very like, um, oh gosh, Gentleman Thief, the original Gentleman right. Thief. Yeah. L- Lupin with a well, Lupin, with a yeah. quiz. Well, that, that leads into why we're reading Carmen San Diego fanfic right now, and it's because I started playing Persona Five. And Persona 5 is a Phantom Thief-themed game. That's the motif, right? And mm-hmm. so your character's personas, which are, you know, they're like they're the manifestation of their soul, whatever, right? <laughs> they're, they're based on various famous thieves, mostly fictional. Mm-hmm. And so, like, at, when I was playing the game, like, you know, I had a character who's, whose persona was Arsene Lupin, or, you know, mm-hmm. Arsene, and one who was Zorro, and one who was Captain Kidd, who was a real person, but whatever. You know, he became very, like, you know, fictionalized. Yeah. And then I got the character who was revealing her persona and it said, Carmen. And I was like, Carmen, heck yes. And for a moment I was like, does she have a Carmen San Diego themed persona? Because my mind just like did yeah. not catch up to the fact that Carmen San Diego is, a, is like a character who, you know, is not in the public domain that you can't just use. And in fact, uh. it turned out her persona was based on the character Carmen from the novella and opera Carmen. And I was very disappointed. But then I was like, oh, I, I want to do some Carmen San Diego stuff. Oh, that was a fun text thread. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, yeah, that's so fair because like Carmen San Diego really is this, yeah, it, the, the phantom thief, but also the gentleman thief in that sense right. of like having a moral code. And being, you know, always kind of leaving clues for the um, the Acme detective. Their yeah. agency is called Acme, which I drives know. me up a dang I, wall. Right, because growing up with our Looney Tunes, you know, background, right? Like as mm-hmm. kids, it's like you can't take it seriously if it's named Acme. Like every time my right. mind has to resist, like, so they're not incompetent buffoons, you're saying? Like they're yeah, actually exactly. like fine? I think as a kid, I just interpreted Acme as... A generic noun for made-up organization. That's probably what they intended, but it's like the 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 wily e. coyote, you know, influence runs deep in my subconscious. Right. I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just re- rereading the the text thread. They said afterwards, you'll settle for an opera about Carmen San Diego with the operatic rearrangement of the Rockapella theme song. <laughs> And I agreed, and Tori just responded, I'm never leaving you too well known again. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I stand by it. I've been on record saying I also really want a fanfic that's Carmen San Diego slash Miss Frizzle um, crossing over the two best edutainment cartoons. And every time you say that, I, I ask what kind of slash. <laughs> and I think I say yes. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Okay. Shall we talk about the fanfic though? Yeah. One one more note on Acme though. Uh Apparently it was taken from the Greek meaning like the highest point or summit 
Okay. And that was supposed to be the irony that was used mm. in Looney Tunes because every Acme product would backfire in some way. Is that what the word academia comes from? Similar root? Uncertain, but it's very possible. And uh, we could talk a lot about that, but let's talk about <laughs> Carmen Sandiego. All right. So I was looking for an old Carmen Sandiego fanfic, and I had to settle for a medium old Carmen Sandiego fanfic. So where on the internet did you find Carmen Sandiego fanfic? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I found a link, you know, on like, you know, on what do you call it? TV tropes mm. about this fanfic specifically. Didn't really read that, but I was like, oh, someone cares enough about it to make a little site. Mm -hmm. um, but then it, it was on fanfiction.net. So I did some searching based on, you know, number of faves or such on fanfiction.net. I found another option that was from 2004, but glancing at that one and glancing at this fanfic from 2011, this one grabbed me more. So that's what we went with. The fanfic I chose is Parthenogenesis by Green Lion, and it was published between May and December of 2011. That would be where in time. Okay. That's pushing it, Amato. I know. Uh, but that's okay, because really, I just want to talk about Carmen San Diego and everything else is secondary. Well, and the franchise ended in 99. So. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> that, like, this is at least a retro franchise topic. topic. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I see people, I, I saw people in the comments for this fanfic talking about, oh, I wrote Carmen fic, like, you know, back in the day. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize there was a term for Carmen San Diego fanfic. It's Carmen fic. And also, <laughs> I'm not sure where they were posting it. And, or whether it's still available online. Like, mm. I, I should have done some deeper searching for Carmen Fandiego. Carmen Fandiego. <laughs> Carmen San Diego fan sites. San Diego. <laughs> yes. Uh, should have done some deeper searching for Carmen San Diego fan sites. But um, whatever. I'm very happy with the fanfic I chose anyway. Um, it's about 12,000 words. It's not too long. And split into six chapters that are actually like chaptery chapters mm -hmm. or like a prelude in six chapters or maybe there's an epilogue. I forget. It's like got actual demarcations that are significant. In fact, honestly, after reading the first chapter of this fanfic, I was like, this could have been a, a quite decent, really short fanfic by itself. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm happy it went on, but like it kind of as like a micro fanfic, it would have been solid. Yeah. Um, so here's the premise. The premise is that it's way post-series, where on earth is Carmen San Diego, and Carmen has and has been raising a daughter, and the story is written from the daughter's perspective. Uh, her name is... Maggie. Maggie. Maggie San Diego. Well, that's not, that's not true, because it's not like Carmen San Diego is going no, by her no, last name. No, no, she's got a different last name. <laughs> it's De Las Senas or something? I can't remember. Right. Well... You know, I, I think I might like to open by reading the opening paragraph. Sure. Pretty solid. And that's in the prelude there. Growing up, it was just the two of us, my mother and me. We lived in a series of dwellings from a fondi cycle. I don't actually know what that term is. Viennese townhouse to a shoebox-sized Tokyo apartment to even a surprisingly comfortable yurt. No matter where we lived, our house had the magical ability to feel both empty and crowded, missing a father, siblings, friends, and yet packed the gills with my mother's secrets. Wherever we went, she always took them with her. Um, and then it goes on to kind of a, an overview of like the basic lifestyle, kind of like one of those, you know, military or working families where they move a lot, except mm -hmm. when she was young, she didn't understand why they moved a lot. And that her mother basically homeschooled her, which would be a mm -hmm. great homeschool teacher. And the phrase she uses was, she was given to indulge my every intellectual whim, 
a childhood fascination with castles and dragons turned into a chateau hunting cruise along the, the what's the the river the Loire, L O I R E, Loire, Loire. <laughs> anyway, water. <laughs> <laughs> Birthday scavenger hunts were the stuff of legend. It says, I I, I highlighted that that phrase like of course it fucking would be that's a great lie <laughs> yeah, yeah well and like you know as a kid of course maggie doesn't really question any of this and most of this takes place like half of it's like when she's 12 half of it's when she's 15 like mm-hmm. 15's when she kind of starts to question it most well i think 12 I, is the turning point because there's well, discovery here yeah but th- that's the rest of chapter one is her discovery of her mother's background right but maggie herself identifies that she's been trained in code breaking she's been trained in um, yeah the birthday scavenger hunts right we're all like elaborate forms of training not that carmen intended for maggie to become a thief i think that's just i don't know she felt those were useful skills to well, know I, I, think, I think that's just how how she how she operates yeah it is it's like it makes sense because that she'd be an amazing kind of like homeschooly teacher like that because so much of what she does is about scaffolding people to reach a discovery. <laughs> that's like, that's a lot of what she does. You know, beyond the mm, physical mm. act of thievery, it's kind of like leaving clues that are vague enough that you have to think about it, but like, you know, solid enough that you can actually do it potentially. And like like all, all characters were like dropping little info facts the whole time. <laughs> to this day, like the only part the the only part of the show I clearly remember from when I watched it as a kid mm-hmm. is talking about the difference between slagmites and stalactites, and that's why I, I can I still know today which mm-hmm. one's which because mm-hmm. I think Ivy mentions like because stalactites hang tight to the ceiling. <laughs> well, that's a good mnemonic. Yeah, yeah. It is. <laughs> and you know you gotta give the show props even though it does it in a really the original show doesn't very contrived way where it's like oh yeah we got this talking head literal talking head who's just going to tell us information well, they, they have the whole video game aesthetic mm-hmm. of the show where they have Indeed. the player they have uh the floating head uh computer program chief and they have the player teleporting the agents around the world right right using fucking magic and having the player <laughs> cross-reference stuff well, I think you're supposed to, that's supposed to be a bit of a fourth wall break in the show because the player is literally, you just see the back of the head of an actual live they, action They, they talk, they talk yeah. to the player all the time. Yeah. You, you know, in the Carmen <laughs> so. San Diego reboot that ended recently on like Netflix, yeah, um, they, they have player as a, a an actual named character. Pla- named player, I know. Right. Yeah. Which was actually pretty funny. And they still have Ivy and whatever his name is. Zach. Zach. Oh, why y'all can't remember Zach? <laughs> I only remember Ivy though. I mean, that's fair, but <laughs> I, I feel like it can't be Zach because it's Zach and Cody. So my mind just wants to like, you know, what the f- put, put another name in. Zach is an extremely common name. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, after that whole talking heads of Zach and Cody reference from our right. other family. I, I mean, did, did you get out of my head? From Yu-Gi-Oh, yeah. Do you have a hard time remembering one, yeah. who uh, Cloud takes a style after? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Cloud and um, uh, Cody, right? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Zacks in our childhood. Mm-hmm. Power Rangers Zack. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, get the axe. Axe was awesome. That axe was good. Yeah. I, that, that was the one of like the full size articulated action figures I had with the Black Ranger one, mm-hmm. like the Mastodon helmet too. Do they a pick good one. his name because Black and Zack rhyme? They probably did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I 
you know, because he's the Black Ranger. I know. Because I, he's I, like, black. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> right, <laughs> that would be awful. I, I'm still not willing to extend a whole lot of, you know... That'd like, be fair. The, the suspension yeah. to the show that made the Black Ranger the black guy. So, well, like, and the Yellow Ranger, the, the Asian, Asian yep. woman, and, yep. the, yeah. and the Red Ranger had Native American heritage. Oh my god, yep. it was coded. <laughs> that's the most racist shit ever. Anyway, moving on. Nineties. <laughs> that's why. That's why when they mixed it around, like when they replaced those actors because of money reasons, they made you know the Yellow Ranger a black, black woman, woman, and yeah, the but... blue, wait, what is it? The Black Ranger, the Asian guy. Mm-hmm. And the Red Ranger, a piece of white bread. <laughs> All right. Instead of making the Yellow Ranger an, uh, an Asian person. <laughs> right. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay. Uh, Power Rangers. I mean, Carmen San Diego. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So anyway, yes. Yeah. Um, originally where I was going with that whole thing before it spiraled <laughs> was just to say that it makes a lot of sense and it's very charming that the way in which Carmen wants to teach critical thinking to her child and make her smart is by teaching her all these life skills she knows. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it is teaching or, or this, is, this is just how Carmen has fun. I mean, it's got to be some of both, both, right? Because <laughs> the, Fair it, enough. it comes up repeatedly that like she's, you know, seeking personal challenge and intellectual stimulation is something she's got to do even when she's prioritizing her daughter and the safety of their family. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's definitely some kind of mix. I like the, um, so, so yeah, yeah, chapter one. The rest of chapter one is 10-year-old Maggie finding this out because she's searching for Christmas presents, like hidden around the birthday house. Birthday presents. Oh, sorry, birthday 10. presents before her birthday. And, you know, she searches her mom's room and she looks under the bed and finds her scooter that she's getting. And then she finds a safe there. Right next to the scooter. Right next to the scooter. And there's a keypad there. And on a instinct, she inserts 624443, which is Maggie, which opens the safe. Uh, perhaps I knew the combination because my mother fed me codes and ciphers the way other parents push broccoli. <laughs> or perhaps it was because I knew even then with childlike certainty that I was the center of my mother's world. And in the safe are, you know, the fake passports that she keeps, tons of cash, her red hat. And um, newspaper clippings, newspaper clippings of all her escapades in all these different languages. Yeah, and then she does the thing where she she writes out her mother's name Maria de Sengos and rearranges the letters to Carmen San Diego. And okay. I accept that Carmen is incapable of choosing a fake name <laughs> that is not the rearranged letters of her actual name or or clue to something else or yeah. or something right <laughs> yeah also that's part of the delight of this fanfic is there's just the carmen san diego flavor peppered in because how else could you do it in a fanfic <laughs> that's so somewhat tonally different right or at least plot wise it's about a mother-daughter relationship it's not yeah. about carmen's escapades as a thief mm-hmm. um and then you know her mother comes back and she's upset and Maggie says she's a little afraid of her then, but she's because she's afraid that she'll that she'll leave her behind and like go back to her life of crime or whatever. And you know, they have a touching, you know, bonding moment. And then I like the last paragraph of mm-hmm. that chapter a lot. You want to read it, Tori? It was only many years later as an adult that I realized I had not learned my mother's identity by accident, <laughs> but by design. The present placed in such close proximity to the safe. The code that was just challenging enough, all the hallmarks of one of her carefully choreographed games. She let me discover what she could not bring herself to tell me. 
It's also interesting that this is how she communicates. I, that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is like yeah. beyond. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that like she? Right. I I I, I totally buy that. That yeah. like she can't just sit down her daughter and be like, "Hey, Maggie, there's something I really want to tell you," because her she, like secrets are so built into her, and also just like that's not that that's not something she's comfortable with compared to setting up a series of clues that leads someone to discover right. something. Yeah. Well, she's always been that way. And like the tone, I think this is the thing that the author kind of balanced pretty well. Like if you take a few steps out, too many steps outside of the suspension of disbelief, you mm-hmm. kind of go, huh. But if you recognize that what they honed in on was taking Carmen's tone mm-hmm. from the series and from the games and putting that into that relationship. Everything Carmen says is very tongue-in-cheek and teasing. And also divorcing it from the uh, video game motif into mm-hmm. what those translate to as a person walking around in, in, a, in a fiction. Yeah. Yes. And it's it still works. It's never It never feels out of place. It, in fact, I think that's mostly because we're in Maggie's perspective and Maggie has these reactions saying her mother is aloof and her, mm-hmm. you know, and you can imagine the character, not only Carmen being like that, but a mother being like that. Like, you can imagine this is a real person and not just that sort of two-dimensional, well, I'm not going to say completely two-dimensional from the show, actually, but yeah, that sort of teasing voice you have in the games. Yeah, she, she's got a past and motivations. Stuff. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, she has an episode where she feels her childhood orphanage. Mm. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Ah, uh, great. Yeah. The whole orphanage. Yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How does she do that again? Uh, you know, the sci-fi, one of those platforms, like, you see her put, put the Tastio Liberty on in the, in the intro. I, That's right. I, I assume, you know, the un, the unseen part in between, like, leaving Acme and like doing this kind of crime mm-hmm. was implicitly stealing nigh infinite amounts of money and then like you know that kind of bridges the gap for like her, the other thieveries that she actually wants to do I assume she just has like you know they, they mentioned her Swiss bank accounts and such in this oh, at yeah, some yeah. point she's got to have actually stolen valuable shit and sold it right yes so well, <laughs> here's the other thing is that in the universe of where on the earth. I keep wanting to say we're in the earth, but that seems very wrong. We're on earth. Yeah, we're on earth. Oh, okay. We're on earth. <laughs> we're on where, earth is Car- yeah, Where in the earth would be a great geology show, though. <laughs> Journey to the center of the earth with Carmen Sandiego <laughs> as the protagonist. Anyway, uh, in Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego, there is this sort of, this is like at a very 90s thing where there's this like hyper tech that mm-hmm, Acme right. has, but it's yeah. a great way to explain how Harmon gets her technology to steal the Statue of Liberty, for example. <laughs> it, it's funny. They have a flashback where, where they show uh, Carmen's detective work back in 1985. And it's just like an office. Yeah, I, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that in like one of the summary things or something where like she says to, to Zach and Ivy, like when I was an agent, I didn't have any of like the super tech tools that you all use. Well, the, the, yeah, she says something when they're working together at one point. She's like, we didn't use the C5 quarters. That seems like too easy. Which is <laughs> yeah. the uh, teleportation from one place to, to another. Right. <laughs> Just the teleportation. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, fanfic. We got a lot of fanfic and it's good stuff. So mm-hmm. I want to talk about it. <laughs> Chapter two's in two halves. And the first half is kind of like the gun issue, right? Where like she fought fi- because Maggie finds 
a gun, or she already knew there was a gun in the house. Well, the, they mentioned the first chapter there's a gun. Right, that she finds it under her mom's pillow where a father would normally be or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> but when she's talking about being hesitant to enter her mom's bed bedroom looking for the clue, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't as if it, she had forbidden me from going in there, but I had been wary of entering ever since I found a handgun under one of the pillows nestled in the place where a father should be. <laughs> I, I'm going to trust Carmen Sandiego enough to assume that gun was not loaded because, you know, she's too on top of things. Yeah, and the mentions before, maybe later this is what you're talking about, how, like, in the show, she never used guns or, or, right. or, or, or weapons um, explicitly. At one point, they had a had the, the Lee Jordan bad guy, she, like, mentored him for a second. He was, like, using guns and, like, trying to hurt people and she's like no we don't do that stop that <laughs> yeah I, I mean she likes some of the like better batman villain i mean like some of the nicer batman villains she hangs out with a lot of worse people because they're you know she hangs out with some captain planet villains well, and such, she, right? she, she was training him and then like gave him like a chance and then when he find out that when she found out that he was a piece of shit then he just she just cut him loose completely. oh fair enough yeah, yeah. yeah. i think yeah he, Carmen... he, he came back to the to the hideout and the, on the hench people outside were like carmen says you can't come in <laughs> <laughs> great yeah. ah so good anyway um it's just kind of addressing that where like um maggie asks like i've done research on you and you never hurt anybody why do you have a gun and carmen explains like um before you were born life was a game to be played not carrying a weapon only raised the stakes but now, she paused and her voice grew dark, protect you to keep myself alive and out of prison and you out of the foster care system, I would not hesitate to use deadly force. And, and you, then, like, respect it, right? Yeah, you know? really. And, yeah. and I... She doesn't want to. She's not intending to. She's just prepared to. Mm-hmm. And every one of these little vignettes has such a great little conclusion, too. The ending paragraph there is, her answer chilled me as much as it reassured me. Perhaps my mother was not so different from ordinary people after all. A lot of parents said they would kill to protect their children. The difference being, I knew my mother would not miss. That's fair. That's so good. It's really good. Um, and I, then you find out later that like she keeps guns at random places. Like, she keeps a gun in the oven because she never cooks. <laughs> right, it's great. Which is hilarious. She keeps a, a gun in the, a golf bag. And she says, like, going to the driving oh, a range. rifle. <laughs> uh, yeah, as, yeah. As, as code for target practice. <laughs> I, I really appreciated that little throwaway line also because I was like, Carmen never used a gun. How would I assume that she's good at guns now? It's like, oh, it's because she's actually actively practicing with guns now because she wants to in case she needs to be. I'm guessing she did before, just didn't use them, didn't, didn't need to. She, I, I just keeping her skills well, sharp. Well, uh, that I, was sort of the implication of the other line is sort of like, I right. always could have, but mm-hmm. the whole thing, but it raised the stakes not to. Mm-hmm. I suppose so. Anyway, um, other half of chapter two, Maggie's watching a history program on history's lost women, which is really cool because right next to Amelia Earhart, they do the segment on Carmen Sandiego. So cool. <laughs> and obviously, who, who just disappeared, right? Yeah. And obviously, the voiceover announces, for our next segment, we ask Carmen San Diego, where on earth is she now? <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they uh, and then they also interview Zach and Ivy, and this is the first time you get to see the uh, Maggie gets to see them. Mm-hmm. Um, only on the TV, obviously. But I thought that part was kind of sweet in a weird way. Like yeah. they're both very sentimental about her, you know. Um, where like Zach just hopes she's okay and Ivy seems like upset about well Ivy it's like Zach is optimistic that she's okay and Ivy is not Mm -hmm. and it's really cool 
His sister's commentary was an unusual blend of anger and sadness. Is she alive? Could she have given up her life of crime? It's possible, but unlikely. The Carmen Sandiego I knew was addicted to the games she played. I don't think anything could have made her stop running, except perhaps her own death, Ivy told the cameras harshly. <laughs> and like, I think that's part of her anger, is like anger towards Carmen Sandiego mm -hmm. for letting herself presumably get killed when the someone that like Ivy cared about, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it works for the characters because Zach's tone is just like... um. Let's see. I've seen that woman cheat death a hundred times over. Carmen's reasons for becoming a criminal were always mysterious. I suppose her reasons for going straight would be the same. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's wishful thinking, but I think she's out there somewhere. So he's not just saying, I wish she was out there somewhere. I think she's out there somewhere. He's saying, I think she went straight and she's not doing crime anymore, which actually like, is true. Yeah. It's, it's like everyone's perspective here is really on point. Maggie comments to Carmen, who walks in on that, oh, Ivy doesn't know you as well as she thinks. And Carmen says, well, she didn't count on you, but at one time that would have been very accurate. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's funny because like, their reasoning is based off of, she would have to have a big reason to stop, but we can't think of what that would be. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And it's funny because Zach is right, but at the time when you read his, I don't know, his little dialogue there, it's like, you think that is overly optimistic because yeah. I don't think he is accounting for Maggie's presence in Carmen's life. Right. And then, you know, that also leads to a conversation where, like, Carmen admits that she does miss being a phantom thief sometimes. <laughs> but she says, Miha, it has been my experience that nothing truly valuable can be gained without sacrifice. I still think I got the better end of the deal. <laughs> oh. It's very sweet. Mm-hmm. There, so there's various things about this fanfic that goes forward. It leads into Maggie's adolescence and then teenage rebellion kind of things. Mm -hmm. And I noticed looking back on it while we're talking here that you see their relationship evolve in a couple of ways, even beyond just the teenage rebellion. Maggie and Carmen banter a lot more as Maggie gets older. Yeah. Earlier mm -hmm. on, it's very much like Carmen trying to like speak very as directly and reassuringly as she can. And later on, there's a lot more teasing Partially because secrets are less out, are, there's less secrets, partially because Maggie's just older and like, you know, wittier than she is when she's younger. Uh, by the end of the fanfic, they've got like in-jokes going on that we haven't even like seen develop, but like seem very true. There's this part where like, towards the very end, Maggie is teasing Carmen by floating a few of her possible future career options <laughs> and she's like maybe i'll sell cars in like you know nevada or something I'll sell and, insurance in nebraska no, right, exactly yeah. oh yeah well that becomes an ongoing thing is that the way that maggie rebels is to say to her mom i'm gonna do something totally ordinary and normal like, like the, the most boring <laughs> mundane <laughs> yeah most like mundane things she can think of which honestly is hilarious but yeah there's, there's this part when she was a uh, younger where they uh she she has a uh, dinner at a friend's house mm -hmm. and sees their um you know nineties nuclear, nuclear family, family. Yeah. yeah yeah and co comes back and she's upset and the the mom asks her for uh Carmen asks for for a, a synonym for something and she gives it and she's like could have just hit shit plus F seven instead of using me as a human thesaurus peeked over her shoulder what's this for anyway she closed the file before I could get a decent look I'd like to keep it a secret for now she said. And Mona Lisa's smile playing about her ruby lips. The word secret had become something of a trigger for me. Yeah, that was so real. You like that to keep a everything one, yeah. a secret. I can feel anger building up within me, like a locomotive picking up speed. There are so many secrets in this house, I can barely find room to sit down sometimes. 
it's really good. And I mean, she she describes like both kind of why that was a slow build up and also why it, it's kind of an explosive burst right then. Mm-hmm. And it feels very valid where like, you know, part of the long term thing was like she describes that her mother's a very hands off parent. And like that's in ways that like her friends might be envious of. And but also sometimes that felt like a lack of care to her. A lack of structure. Yeah. Like and a lack of structure, lack of like, you know, actually caring what happens to her or like what happens in her life. And like that felt very it felt very real that both even Carmen being a very as good a parent as she can be would be like that. And also that that might build resentment in a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that like that's kind of most of what chapter three is about but it's sort of um kind of all in that vein of her wanting maggie wanting to know her dad is yeah that's the other um through line of the fanfic is carmen specifically not saying who maggie's father is and right yeah and that's specifically the concern of chapter three which like delilah you read was sort of towards the end about the secrets and that's when she starts to kind of turn um and I think by chapter four, we jump into her being f- closer to 15 and we get more um, her teenage rebellion. But like, this is where it's like very much turning. And I think it starts with like when she resolves to discover who her father was, it brings it up to her mom. And I thought that part was quite interesting. She asked if she was planned. You know, she's 12 at this time. Well, yeah, she asked some questions um, before. And then later it builds up where she starts like needling at Carmen. Indeed. Yeah. Um, so then I was an accident. I'm not sure if I believe in accidents. <laughs> she told me enigmatically. It's such an adult yeah. thing to say. But it's so I know. Oh, yeah. Well, and then so my favorite part about this is like Maggie uh, squares her shoulders and says, you can tell me, you know, because I know all about sex. <laughs> yeah. And she says, uh, it, my mother arched one of her perfectly plucked brows, but said that. nothing. <laughs> yeah, another one of those. Like the the ruby lip slide was also incredible. But like, yeah. just so many descriptions of and Carmen are it, great. It's, it's such good, good Carmen. Where like she says, "Really, do enlighten me," and she listens to everything that her daughter has to say, mm-hmm. and like explains to her anything misconceptions she has about sex, mm-hmm. and then still doesn't tell her anything about her father. Yeah, and exactly. That's like, yeah, you know, like the part I was reading, which takes place after that. <laughs> the rest of it is well, because she's she's been asking the whole time, and the mother's just. And Carmen's just like completely not answering at all. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, should we t- talk about the name of the fanfic? Right, right, right. Right. Yeah, That's where Genesis. I was going. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's this segment in which, um, uh, though I was blushing the tips of my ears, I stood my <laughs> ground. I know all about human reproduction now. You've seen to that. So why don't you tell me, referring to knowing her father? And then Carmen says, uh, well, unfortunately for you, I reproduced by parthenogenesis, <laughs> my mother said. The hint of a smile tugging at the corner of her lips, never a good sign. When I pressed for an explanation, she would say no more. So, of course, I was forced to go and look it up, which was probably her intention all along. Only she would ruin a perfectly interesting conversation with a biology lesson. And there's such good dialogue leading out of that, too. I kind of want to yeah. read everything where, like, Maggie comes back know, in and she demands, like, I'm not, you're not a snake or a shark who reproduced by Parthenogenesis. I've been called both on occasion, she said, without rancor. So good. Well, <laughs> even, and even before, yeah. When she finds out, she says, well, my mother was special. My mother certainly was special. I doubt she was that special right. when she looks up Parthenogenesis. And, and I like that she's doing, like, all of her, like, checking all her boxes. She even asks, 
Thinking back to the encyclopedia desk text, I was momentarily seized by a feeling of horror gripping at my insides. You didn't have that mad scientist of yours, Dr. Bellum, cook me up in a lab, did you? <laughs> right. Fair question. At this, my mother nearly did choke on her French roast. Heavens no, as if I would have let Sarah anywhere near my reproductive system. And I was like, fair. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But, but yeah, she she does that. She grows older. She has like the argument that I, I read before, which finishes where she started starting to needle at Carmen more and more for not telling her of... Uh, there's so many secrets in this house, I can barely find room to sit down sometimes. For example, I've always wondered how a clever woman such as yourself, who had a backup plan for every conceivable situation, could have failed at a simple thing like birth control. Mm-hmm. Color Ooh. rose in my mother's cheeks, but she said nothing. I continued, trying to provoke some kind of reaction. And my father, is it that you won't tell me, or that there are so many men you don't actually know? Oh, it's so teenage trying to be hurtful. It's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the air crackled with electricity between us. Yeah. <laughs> I had touched the third rail that I had never seen her. I, I had touched the third rail and I had never seen her so angry. Finally, she said in a deadly whisper, I know, Marguerite. Then tell me. She looked at me with pity. If I tell you, it will not bring you the life you desire. Why don't you let me be the judge of that? I said. She shrugged it off. When you're 18, you can empty it. When you're 18, you can obtain a paternity test. A paternity test would require DNA samples from a possible father. Well, three years should be a sufficient time for you to assemble the li- a list of likely suspects, she rejoined smoothly. I love yeah. that line. I love that from her perspective, it's more reasonable to let her daughter assemble a list of suspects and seek them out and find out herself than it is to tell her. And collect DNA samples. Like, exactly. Collect DNA samples from a short list of like possible fathers. Yeah. Like, for Carmen, like huh. that would be a very that would be a very fair way to, for that you know information to be brought across. <laughs> well, it, it's I, saying I'm not going to tell you. Do it yourself. Right, right, exactly. It, it's like like she doesn't have to share her secrets, but she can. I'm not going to stop you from finding out. She can feel free to seek it out. Right. I'm not going to tell you though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and I I feel like that's kind of one of the somewhat i don't necessarily want to say clever things about this fic but like kind of sensitive things about this fic is they pay attention to the fact that this is not just going to be tropes of parenting that we have internalized Mm -hmm. like carmen would always be a different sort of parent this is about carmen as a parent yeah Yeah. and like at first i took that line very tongue-in-cheek like dismissive like i don't want to tell you and that's part of it of course Yeah, because normally in a conversation that'd be like oh that's ridiculous we're not going to do that of course right and then harman's logic might be very realistically oh yeah the the whole scene goes so well and there's nothing wrong with that and i think that that's the important thing is like there's nothing wrong with the style of parenting that carmen is using in fact it's better than most and then Maggie's upset about having to move a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Carmen's like, well, I have my reasons. You're just going to have to trust me. I ignored her. And then you treat it like it's some kind of game. I mean, is that why you had me? You got tired of playing with Zack and Ivy, and so you created me instead, the perfect opponent? That'd be a serious concern. Yeah, I know, right? Carmen's mm. kid. <laughs> well, the conclusion of chapter three is that, you know, they they reconcile a little bit. Her mom... um, I don't know, she comes home, Maggie comes home in the morning, finds her mother sitting there having drunk some whiskey, and her mom apologizes. She says, like, she's trying to reconcile being a mother with her restless nature has been hard, but she's trying her best. Mm -hmm. And she offers to kind of do things Maggie's way, like offer her what Maggie's looking for, which is more stability. Yeah, because Maggie was asking for the typical Mm -hmm. um, American high school experience. Right. She says, 
perhaps I have been selfish. I cannot give you all that you desire, Maggie, and for that I am very sorry, but I can give you something. We have done things my way, now we will try doing them yours. And, um, declares that they're, that they, yes, Maggie asks, where are we going? And Carmen says, home. And so chapter four says, for my mother, home would always be San Francisco. <laughs> and chapter four then is about them settling into San Francisco and Maggie trying to like, mm-hmm. you know, have a American school experience, which always looks so fun on TV. I, I like how quickly it be- These disillusioned. <laughs> the shine comes off the app. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like early on, it says my enthusiasm for normal life quickly evaporated in the hellfire that is the American high school experience. <laughs> well, and it, it goes on yeah. like yeah. I had been the new kid before tons of times in schools all over the world and somehow always managed to find my niche. But Berkeley High had a Byzantine cast hierarchy worthy of something out of an anthropology textbook. And, and like talking about, I, I wonder about the author's experience because there's stuff here about being like a transplant, about like mm. how she spoke, Amer- quote, and, and though I spoke American English as well as everyone else, my pop culture references and slang were out of date. I may as well have been trying to converse in Quechua. <laughs> yeah. And and later she talked about doing math, like she knows the stuff, but she knows them in metric. <laughs> right. And then like she needs to be put in a foreign language and they have Spanish and French and um and Chinese. Mm-hmm. And her Spanish and French are are good, but the advanced classes were already full because of the middle of the year. And the, her Chinese pronunciation is great, but her handwriting is like a first grader. And so like <laughs> well, and that- honestly. If you have Chinese handwriting like a first grader, that's pretty good. Yeah. For like right. Chinese is a foreign language. <laughs> I, I feel like they should have put her in the advanced Chinese class, but this is all about kind of her disappointment. But I do love that line where she's talking to her mother about all of this. She's complaining mm-hmm. about her first day of school. They put me in the lower Chinese because my handwriting's like a first grader. And her mother says, Well, you were six when we lived in Shanghai. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, Yeah, I, I guess that you would have the handwriting of a first grader. And also talk about how, how her ballet classes didn't translate over to, to gym credits. credits. Yeah. <laughs> and for some reason that makes her have to take two PE classes. I'm like, no high school would do that, would they? Well it might be making up past years. I mean I'm sure yeah. I'm sure that's the idea is that like Right. But but yeah. 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 They but, only make us take for us when we went to high school they only made us take one semester of PE the our entire high school yeah. experience and Carmen's response to it is like my mother smiled smiled slightly hard isn't it being normal and she says like you can just drop me off with nuns and and go gallivanting her, her bright eyes sparkled very tempting but no you're punishing me aren't you by giving you exactly what you asked for how cruel of me mm-hmm. <laughs> you're a cold unfeeling woman a total sadist I know my mother said in a most satisfied voice. <laughs> I scowled. Having already been called every name in the book made it impossible to insult my mother properly. Yeah. That's such a good exchange. She's my favorite. She comes up like, this sucks. And she's like, mm-hmm. I, I also like that she she gives Maggie a like normal computer instead of like the overpowered like custom thing like that she was using. Stuff? Spyware Oh, stuff. yeah. She was having like, like a serial hard. experiments lane type set. <laughs> right. Room, exactly. Like, like right. servers and shit. And like she walks into her room and there's just a laptop and She's so pissed. Right. She's like, what the hell is this? Like, well, if you're a normal American high schooler, this is what you'd have. Yeah. If your friends came <laughs> over and, and saw her other computer, what would they think? Because I'm never going to make any friends. It's not going to matter, is it? Think of it as a challenge, she instructed gently but firmly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, you know, they're living in they're living in Berkeley because 
they can't be in Maine, like they can't be that close to Acme headquarters in San Francisco, but they can see San Francisco. And um, Maggie settles into school somewhat. And then apparently... They go on a field trip to Acme. The honors students at Berkeley High (laughs) are invited to the Acme Detective Agency. And it has a campus. I don't quite understand. It's like an academy of some kind, but it's also like a detective agency. Well, they describe it as like a tech combination of like futuristic sci-fi thing and tech campus and well, yeah, they're, college. They're, they're just a detective a- agency that has access to future technology. Right. They've got a lot of resources well, and it seems like they recruit in the same way like Google has a campus, right? And they what might yeah. like... But they I describe also like framed pictures of every academy class since 1932. So there's some sort of like academy attached to it. I don't mean like probably it's probably like a full school well, thing. They, but they probably, must do. It's like the FBI. They have training classes. They have training classes, mm-hmm. right. And th- those are classes and yeah. Um, she notices both Ivy and Zach and then her mom on like, you know, the award winners of the Detective of the Year awards. She had won every award. She won the award every year from 1980 to 1985. Very nice. <laughs> it was it was hard to believe she'd accomplished so much so young. And well, it was nice that Acme had not tried to erase her from her place in their history, though I suspected she was easier to deal with as a ghost than as a living, breathing traitor. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was a nice little, I don't know, comment. Yeah. 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 And there's a lot of that, like, kind of fun flavor in this. Um, though I will say that some of the things are a little bit bizarre. For instance, um, Maggie, I guess everyone takes a computer-based exam while yeah. they're there. Yeah, it's like a fun thing. It seems like I mean it's it's an application thing, but like part of the field trip is like yeah, as as part of the field trip, try the application test thing. Yeah, and that, or and then this is sort of like a talent scouting thing for Acme, right? right. Yeah, for sure. And so the, when Maggie beats it by miles, um, <laughs> the best score actually better than her mother's score, which was the best score since 1979. Right. Be the old record set back in 1979 <laughs> by you know who. Yeah, and confetti <laughs> comes down from the ceiling, and, literal confetti. And this is just a mistake. She gets into it and she's not thinking about the consequences here. She's having fun. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she beats the test and then, you know, then Ivy comes out and congratulates her, perp- uh, you know, personally. And Ivy's like the director of this place now. The dean, they say. The dean. She's not the chief or whatever the, the he- talking yeah, head was that, char- was that character's name? Chief was that character's name? It was an acronym. In, in the 1985 flashback, when uh, Carmen's still working, she worked with the chief when he had a robot body. Wow. The, the, the chief of Acme introduced him as chief. <laughs> okay. Oh, great. All that's right. His literal fucking name. <laughs> that's well, so that's cartoon. a thing. <laughs> I mean, I it's a weird like Fox Kids Max Headroom thing. Anyways, it's fine. It is. <laughs> it's weird. very Max Headroom. It's like a floating head. Like yeah. anyway, chief is not a character we need to talk about because he does not appear in this. They're not appearing in this fanfic. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which is fine because the, the would it have fit the tone of this at all? <laughs> Although they, they didn't mention the C5 corridors offhand, which is crazy bonko. <laughs> bonko. Well, for sure. Crazy bonko. <laughs> um, and so anyway, Ivy's trying to be like, we want you to like, you know, come work with us and in- become an Acme detective and that sort of thing. And she's like, uh, no, no, definitely not. <laughs> oh, my God. And she's thinking the and whole it, time I fucked up. I screwed absolutely. up. Absolutely. Yeah. Was, I'm going to uh, get my mother's going to get found out. Uh, she, and she, it she, just she, gets worse. Like, one thing I need to do was be under the radar. And I went to their headquarters and got 
the dean's attention. <laughs> and, and it's great seeing the progression where she's like, uh, no, no, I don't want to because I wouldn't want to, you know, travel and leave my mother behind. She's like, oh, well, let's come talk to your mother. She's like, uh, no, no, because no. my mother has <laughs> yoga right now. Well, no, uh, th- th- they ask her, so what did your mother do? And she said, well, it's Wednesday, so probably yoga. <laughs> <laughs> and Zach's like, no, no, no. What, what does she do for a living? Oh, I, uh, my, she writes a travel blog. Well, she, she doesn't. <laughs> or travel column. She, yeah. but, but that's not a lie. And I like that. That yeah. is her day job. And I was like, that's really cool, actually. I would want to read a travel blog by Maggie. Say, yeah. Maggie comments. It, amazing. Right. If anyone was fit to tell you how to visit Ulaanbaatar on $50 a day, it was my mother. And then it turns out Zach is a fan of the travel column that she writes. Of course he Yeah. <laughs> well, there's this other ongoing thing with Maggie where she says she's not a good liar, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting because it's something, you know, kind of like distinguishing herself from her mother in a yeah. way. But like bo- most of the things she says are like weird, like they're half truths. Like she tries, she's always reaching to answer the question in a truthful way, but right. without yeah. revealing the information. And it's kind of like in the same habit of Carmen, where she does like half answers, half jokes. True, true. <laughs> but yeah, but like, Ma- like the difference between uh, Maggie and Carmen is that Maggie never did any field work ever. That's true. It's always just puzzles and I, I guess hacking into the Pentagon and her com- computer. But well, she know. also, you know. <laughs> She also described that, like, she kind of formed her personality in reaction to her mom to some extent. So, yeah. like, you know, her mom what is like elusive. So she's she kind of she's more of a, she's more of a straight speaker, like outgoing. Just yeah. as like how she's kind of tried to separate herself from her mom as a teenager. Uh, by the way, they mentioned here in the, in the test that it ended with like a grandmaster AI chess match, right? And Zach asks her, um, um, "How could you beat it?" it was, it's unbeatable. And she responds, it was unbeatable. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't help correcting. Well, Mr. Zach, a computer program can only know what it's programmed to know, but a person's mind can think up, you know, any number of possibilities. So I try to act uh, erratically and avoid the more common known defenses, which is great because you know you're playing against a chess AI. The thing you would do is fuck with the AI's decision tree. <laughs> it reminds Indeed. me of like, yeah, yeah it. I mean, it makes me think of that even, I, I'm sure they fixed this kind of thing, but even like the, what was it, Deep Blue or whatever versus yeah. like the, the Go chess matches against like the Go Grandmaster who later quit because he was so depressed about the whole situation. Yeah. Anyway, um, he won, well, one of the games he won, the AI just started, like it got into a weird mental, I don't know, mental place is a metaphor, but like, <laughs> yeah, it just like didn't get a grasp on what was going on and started making really strange moves and like just kind of you know, messed it up. Yeah. And this is 2011. It's before the kind of like deep learning kind of stuff anyway. So like you can kind of buy the explanation. Well, yeah, as someone who's like dipped their toe into like AI stuff before, it's it's funny because like these programs would be focused to to always present the most optimal solution um, in in every situation. So like that's where all the majority of the programming would would go. Mm-hmm. So if you just start off playing shitty, the computer doesn't have as much information to work right. off of. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the strategy. About, yeah. Um, <laughs> and what I d- especially like about that part is that that little line about it was unbeatable. I couldn't help correcting. I know yeah. you read it, Della, uh-huh. but yeah. like I wanted to emphasize that's it. It's very common. I couldn't help correcting <laughs> that it was unbeatable. Like and I think that's the little pieces of Maggie's personality that come out that are very informed by her mother. Yeah. And they are delightful. You know, you like those parts of her personality and you start to realize how similar the characters are. This is where 
we're getting to that point where it's like Maggie's kind of teenage rebel and she's 15 at this point. Mm-hmm. Is like kind of, I don't know, uh, you're realizing, I mean, kind of always know when they were similar, but she's, I think, maybe starting to come around to the fact mm-hmm. that they're similar. Because she wanted to reject all that stuff, but yeah. now mm-hmm. she's finding some common threads. And also a, a fun part about this whole thing was uh, Maggie's view of seeing Ivy and Zach work in person. Mm-hmm. Because like they, they talked about later, uh, brother and sister locked eyes and seemed to communicate telepathically. No wonder, <laughs> no wonder they had made such a formal, formidable team. And it's, it's interesting seeing these characters from like a outside point of view, and also these characters growing up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, Zach's married, has a kid. Oh yeah, that's a big thing. Yeah, his wife looks like Carmen Sanigo. No one mentions it politely. <laughs> politely, that <laughs> was hilarious. Yeah, I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know, it's great. I'll, although, to be honest, you know, Carmen Sandiego's wife will... So. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, go Zach. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, anyway, because this is one of those tests where, like, it's progressive and it keeps going and giving you harder things if you keep getting questions right. Yeah, it sh- shuts off if you fail out, pretty much. And, you know, something along those lines where, like, it, it kind of adjusts your level or keeps giving you harder questions if you keep answering them. That's very common in, like, kind of school standardized tests these days, too. So, like, it felt familiar. Mm. Because of that, she was left behind. The rest of her class already left. And so Zach and Ivy offer to take her home. <laughs> and she's like, oh, no, I'm okay. I'm like, no, says, that's okay. Insist. I can take the bar. <laughs> oh, no, we insist. Zach said in a firm tone that left no room for protest. And part of that is clearly that, like, they really want her as an agent. Part of that is that she's, her answers have been so weird and suspicious so far. Yeah. Well, and that, familiar, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of a little cycle of that until eventually she has no choice but to agree to be driven home by Zach and I. <laughs> like, even when she's tra- being driven home, she's trying to get out of it. It's like, oh, my mom's probably not there. She probably won't be home. I think she has a day tonight. Where's the bridge club? We'll just come back tomorrow then. <laughs> what if I promise to be an agent now? Does that mean you'll leave me alone? <laughs> and she's like, if you're an agent, we need permission from your guardian. Right. Why don't you want us to meet your mom? Right. He says she's kind of a difficult person and doesn't like strangers coming to our house uninvited. All true. Yeah, and then, and then in the next paragraph they have a Chekhov's gun reference, <laughs> right? Which oh, made me a little yeah. bit nervous because they they talk about guns in the previous chapter. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, and I like you know the thing that happens. She opens the door. Carmen says like Maggie, where have you been? It's so late. And her very last ditch effort to communicate anything here or solve the situation is saying. Mom, there are some Acme detectives here to see you. <laughs> Mom, yeah. there's Acme detectives here. <laughs> I fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. So Carmen Carmen goes, lunges, or uh, twi- her hand twitches in the direction of the oven. She's in the kitchen, which the is the gun thing. imperceptible twitch of my mother's hands in the direction of the oven. And the, cliff- the gun is. <laughs> and the cliffhanger is... Um, a red-headed blur swept by me, knocking me aside. I closed my eyes and prayed to any god that might hear me. <laughs> and so, yeah, for a moment, you're like, is this going to end with Ivy in a, with a hole in her chest here? Because it seems like a distinct possibility. Yeah. Um, but that's not what happens. Chapter five is called Reunion. After that cliffhanger, actually, Ivy went in for the hug. Instead of a tackle, Ivy's muscular arms were wrapped around my mother in a tight embrace. Yeah, Ivy's cool. <laughs> she, yeah. she is cool. And I also like... For once, my mother's clever hands look helpless, hanging there like limp noodles, <laughs> as if she did not quite know how to return the younger woman's hug. That also seemed in character for um, the where on earth Carmen San Diego. Yeah, for sure. Oh, she's, yeah. she's not a touchy person. Well, and, and also, yeah. like, you know, despite the sort of, um, I don't know, what what do you want to say? Like, 
relationship these two have had. It hasn't always been animosity, no. but you I don't think Carmen necessarily predicted to be like yeah. wrapped in a hug by. No. And also, like like right. the character in the show is always Carmen's always been shown as very capable and stuff, but she ha- has she does get baffled at times. <laughs> right. This is not this is not a scenario she workshopped. Like yeah. in so her it's head. believable this would be one of those times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting a tackled hug from Ivy <laughs> <laughs> at her house, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so it becomes a whole reunion thing. The chapter's reunion. Carmen like gets herself together and asks Maggie to make tea. It, get her out of the room for a bit, right? And, and I and um Maggie knows that <laughs> she knows that's the reason. So she's kind of listening in, but she can't hear everything. But she, she's so panicking right now. She's just doing what she's told. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when she comes back, like she Maggie's like, I'll join Acme. I'll do anything you ask. Just don't send my mother to jail. And Carmen's like, it's fine. We, we've come to an agreement. We talked it out. Right. <laughs> She's going to provide intelligence and contacts in return for her freedom. That's pretty good. And it, it, well, it's pretty good. But all, and also that is a scenario that Carmen definitely workshopped where she's like, what can I offer that I'm willing to offer? Well, like it, Carmen San Diego is a great contact. For sure. Well, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And so like. I, I'm sure she's not even super upset about this. Like, I'm sure, like I said, she she was prepared. She was probably mentally prepared to to leverage these assets, if need be, her her intelligence, her contacts, right? Well, like, if we're paralleling this to, like, uh, detective agencies, like FBI stuff, mm-hmm. they, they, there's, like, the like the Catch Me If You Can movie <laughs> that's based off, like, Frank Abagnale, who was, like, a, like, a Czech fraud person. They end up, after getting caught, he ended up joining... The, the the force and like using so it's very, very common for retired crooks to give their expertise to to detectives and stuff mm-hmm. yeah for sure no it makes sense and then it's kind of a lot of very pleasant character work where we also have zach and ivy involved um and also a lot of good lines because there's always some good lines yeah her mother a- carmen asks why take the exam if you didn't want to join acme <laughs> and she says uh carmen says not carmen Maggie says, I was curious about your past and maybe a little bored. I thought the exam would be challenging, I admitted sheepishly. <laughs> Out of the corner of my eye, Zach coughed to smother a laugh, while his sister suddenly looked like she feared for the future safety of major world landmarks. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that would one definitely too. be a thought. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, it was like, if you don't know how Carmen, in the, Carmen is as a mother, whether well, she'd turn that into like um, competitiveness, but she, she's just kind of proud. <laughs> right. <laughs> About especially after hearing that she beat uh, Karma's record. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that that was a funny one too. Is um, she uh, Maggie estimates that her mother would be thirty three percent annoyed and sixty seven percent proud. Yeah, annoyed that her record had been beaten. Uh, right. Annoyed, right, and then like sixty seven percent proud. So like, of course, the proud overweighs the annoyed, and it yeah, she's pretty much right about that. Uh huh. <laughs> Apple doesn't fall very far from from this particular tree, eh, Carmen? Zach joked. Though, Maggie, honey, it's probably not a good idea to go following in your mother's footsteps too much. Zach's half-teasing comment was not funny to me at all, which is a very teenage thing to do. (laughs) I exploded with typical teenage fury. If you hadn't noticed, Zach, I'm a very bright and talented young woman. I like to think there are more than two things I can do with my life. I thought of the most boring, sedentary occupation I could think of. Just to gall them on. Perhaps I'll become a postmistress. I like mail. Think of all those stamps. I'm sure you do splendidly, my mother res- responded. Or maybe I'll sell insurance in Tarhot, Indiana. How exotic. 
and then like then Carmen says this detective is Marguerite's idea of trying to torture me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and yeah, she gets a little bit of bonding with Zach and Ivy, even though Ivy was like I I don't know, it feels like even more like emotionally attached to her mother. She's kind of drawn to Zach. And she yeah, mentions later, yeah. Yeah. There was something about him that totally disarmed me. A kind of familiarity I had searched for the world over and never found. Having never had anything that resembled a consistent father figure in my life, the attentions of kind older men would always be like catnip for me. I have the therapy pills to prove it. In parentheses. Yes, yeah, the therapy <laughs> pills to prove it, yeah. But but um, clearly, like, Zach is, you know, a kind, sympathetic, and, and they become family friends in, over the course of these last two chapters. So, like, if, if she's seeking the approval of a male faux father figure in her life, it, we're not supposed to think it's terrible for her to look for it from Zach. Yeah. Like that. We're not supposed Indeed. to be creeped out by that or anything. I can't do the mental math, uh, but they actually do place this in like timelines. They do. So like we could work out exactly how old everybody is or look it up or whatever, so, but we know that, um, Carmen does not have a child. Well, we, yeah, that, that, the conception of Maggie probably happened around the very end of that's the fourth what, season. That's what that's the, yeah. Actually, this is the implication yeah. here, and that Carmen is, I think, 31 or 32 at the time, because they make specific reference to that right. with uh, the Avalon thing. And we know that, um, yeah, Ivy and Zach are teenagers. I think Ivy's, like, early college, and Zach's, like, 16, because he mentions, like, a driving test and stuff. Mm, I always thought like Ivy was more like seventeen. He was fifteen. There's something but, in that range. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, but she but talk, again, she talks like somebody who's just enjoying her college uh, <laughs> uh, English class a lot because she talks about like liking Dostoevsky and like it's like, not a uh, high school curriculum now. Yeah, like Don Quixote is like her favorite. I don't know. I read Dostoevsky in high school. You did? Yeah. Yeah. What? We read Crime and Punishment. Whoa. Yeah. I didn't. But I, I do assume she's older than Zach though. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. 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 She, Ivy's definitely older. Than and Zach, Zach, yeah, Zach mentions but... practicing for his driving test. Yeah. I just mean like Zach's sort of like slight figure implies that he's still kind of going through that puberty age. And yeah. I don't know. We're like, that's all. Where they place that in the timeline? Because like that went from 94 to 99. <laughs> I, don't I know. They, they don't birthdays. seem to age. That's right. the problem. So if you with start the teenage start characters, at 99, I guess. Yeah. And this is 20. They say in the. Fanfic that's modern day. It's almost twenty eleven. Right. We're supposed to take that, you know, after the end of the series, then Maggie was born and now she's by the the end of chapter five, she's fifteen. It'd be fifteen years after. Right. That's Mm -hmm. that's simple. Yeah, he'd be early thirties. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, um, it it basically wraps up. She overhears some conversation about Ivy also being like, How did you have a kid? And Carmen doesn't um, oh, that, that exchange, yeah. Yeah, Ivy figures out who the father yeah. is, but we, we, we're never told directly it's fine. Well, this we're is, told in an earlier chapter that like that the authors leave clues that you can figure it out for yeah. yourself, supposedly. Well, it, we're told in the postscript, yeah, yeah that but, I have left some clues here as to the identity of Maggie's father, but I have left it deliberately ambiguous on purpose. But the character moment there is that Maggie overhears the conversation and decides not to bust in and demand the answer and not to push her. Mm-hmm. Um, I had faith in my mother. I owed her that much. Right. And also, you know, they reconvene afterwards and uh, Maggie might work for Zach's tech startup, uh, which he does at, on a, as well as working for Acme because it's San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, they, yeah, they talk about how how that whole Bay Area is a like whole tech startup mecca mm-hmm. <laughs> at that point. 
And then chapter six is an epilogue. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's only five full chapters. And again, Zach and Ivy, like Maggie's really happy. They're, they come into their lives. We stayed in San Francisco and they, in a role that was part parole officer and part old family friend, helped make the city our home. That was nice. That's, that's a, a fun description. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. Like that, that, that's the thing with it. It sounds like they just become like a big family unit. It's right, fun. right. Yeah. Um, well, they talked about going on a, on a vacation. Mm-hmm. And they said, like, we, we could ask Ivy and Zach to come along, too, if they don't have plans. Traveling's always more fun if you share with someone. I said, unsure of how she'd take this, this, this suggestion. I've learned over the years. I'll ask them. And, like, that's their relationship mm-hmm. now. But, and th- that leads into kind of, like, the conclusion of the fanfic, too. Yeah. Carmen says, but, Kirita, I would have thought that you would, have, you would want to come home for the holiday break. Being home from college. Right. Like- Oh yeah, translation, don't do this for me. Like, you don't have to travel because you know I'd like it. Well, Mom, home is wherever you are. Truly? Truly. My mother took a sip of tea for courage, and for once her face fell open before me, as easy to read as the pages of a picture book. And then she told me. In giving my mother the radical acceptance she had gone without her entire life, I had spoken the magic words that unlocked the secret of who my father was. And she tells him, tells her, and earlier on, she, Carmen said he's no, he was no one special, and it turns out that's um, high praise because actually he was a piece of shit of some kind. Prob- I assume it's supposed to be one of like the, like I said, Captain Planet villains that Carmen occasionally like interacted with back no, in the- we can talk about so, this. Okay, well, whatever. Yeah, the, uh, well, we can. But um, the end of that postscript note, the last sentence of it was readers should feel free to form their own interpretation. Yeah. So I'm not sure how many interpretations you could. Yeah, however- None of them are very good. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Well, especially when, when it pairs with the rest. My father was not a good man or even remotely nice man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if they're, again, if their implication is that it was from that whole scenario with Avalon, which is what they identify, there's really not that many characters to pick from. Basically one. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's re- it's really weird. We can, yeah, we'll talk about it later. Anyway, moving on. You want to wrap up the and we'll come back to Yeah. Sure, sure. Um, and yeah, she it, it it ends kind of with like you were indicating, Tori, with the acceptance by Maggie that like there's there's a that there is in fact a bit of her mother in her, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. also that she's influenced her mother as well, and um you know they're closer together as as a family, and you know it's nice. Uh, yeah, and um, it, what's it is nice, but. It is the last paragraph is a bit odd because there's a reference to well my f- favorite Yeats poem possibly my favorite poem of all time, um, the second coming yes the second coming uh, but it's not the rough beast part it's uh things fall apart the center cannot hold the poet William Butler Yeats famously wrote I suppose no one knew that better than my mother whose life fell apart and came together more times than I could count. But after years of wandering, we had finally found our center. People say that there is a lot of my mother in me. I'd like to think there's a bit of me in her as well. In the end, I think that's what allowed us to make the center hold. And look, I love that. And it's very sweet. But I'm like, why did you reference Yates, who says the center <laughs> cannot hold things fall apart? Like, And it, it came out of nowhere, too. It's not like yeah. that was a motif or like a theme. No, or, you know. no, it really didn't. Which I suppose, you know, well, actually, before we move into criticism, we should well, the, probably talk about the whole father issue. Well, the, the sentence before that is the world 
trends towards entropy and chaos. Right. That cannot hold. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. And it's, uh, I, I think, but... Yeah, and it's talking about having a center in a world that falls apart. Indeed. I just, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if they're, yeah, the reference to the second coming is quite... That seems like a very English major response. <laughs> I don't know if it's apropos or not. I, you know, maybe I haven't thought about it properly. Though, to be fair, um, I definitely think this author uses a lot of kind of common turns of phrase, cliches, idioms, and references that I'm not sure if they needed to use. That might be my criticism. Well, maybe we'll get to that. We should probably talk about the whole who is your dad thing, I guess. I guess. Well, I guess because the fanfic is, um, it's the major mystery in the fanfic. Well, it's the conflict, major conflict between Maggie and uh, Carmen. Or at least heavily tied into it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, no, it is because that's the thing that like she has to like not push on and whatever. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what do you two want to say about that? Well, I mean, I think it's Steele, is that his name? Or what is it? Who? What's his name? The guy who's supposed to be the dad. Uh, I think it's Lee Jordan. Lee Jordan, that's yeah. right. That, sorry, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Well, I, sorry. I, I only remember the name because I remember it as not Green Lantern. Yeah. It's not Hal, it's Lee. <laughs> I was really trying hard to remember that name, but I don't know why, but... So it it's just this kind of throwaway villain who is well he was had a two parter episode uh, season or two before too <laughs> that's the part I was referring to when um, mm. I thought talking in Greek and the guy said uh, this looks like it's going to rain in <laughs> that two parter I think it's called like boy boyhood's end parts one and two um, Lee Jordan is an acne agent he's the only one that has successfully caught Carmen at all yes. And uh, he joins for a case. Uh, Zach has to go away because someone hacked into the Pentagon's computer systems. And so he and Ivy uh, go hunt Carmen. He's creepy towards Ivy, mm-hmm. of course. Um, a couple of times they, they confront Carmen and Lee tries to send Ivy the other direction to talk to Carmen by himself. Uh, eventually he catches Carmen and sa- and she's like, well, I'm not. I'm not surprised. What, what's going to happen now? And he's like, "I'm going to join you. We're we're going to both do thieving." And she's like, "Awesome, let's go." <laughs> so, so they do that. And like part two is him being a thief and her kind of trying to show him the ropes of being a super mm. super thief. But he keeps on doing things like uh, Zach and Ivy are climbing on a rope into the uh, into the the spaceship they're flying away in, and he like cuts the rope. And mm. kills him, and she's like, "What the yeah, fuck are going you doing?" Against the moral code, so that explains why in those last two episodes of the last season, yeah, Carmen is so pissed off when she sees him. Yeah, and, and then it, at, at one point he is like, "Why don't we just steal high value shit and then sell it for money?" <laughs> and she's like, "That's not what this is about at all." And he's, and he's like, "Why?" <laughs> yeah, so he ends up like making a plan to uh, rob the U.S. Mint. Mm. And he gets caught. I'm staring at his face oh. and he looks like someone. Um, does he look like some manner of Ghostbuster? Is or no. Uh, well, that's that style. He I looks think. like I don't know, Bankman like... in the cartoon? I, I don't know. Yeah. So in the the part where the uh, two-parter at the end that we're talking about with the, with the Avalon mm-hmm. business, 
like 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 she mentions like I the, I told you no guns and while he's right. like firing away at everybody. I so is the implication that they would have slept together like back when she was trying to show him the ropes before she No, that would have been a long time person. Yeah. That would have been a long time before this whole Avalon caper they mentioned. See, but that doesn't uh, uh, well, that's but, but, why it doesn't Tori, make sense to Well, me. Tori, according to the wiki, apparently he's blackmailing her during that last thing. Oh yeah, yeah he yeah. is. So that but, would like, probably is be the it, implication right? that But that's the implication. That would be the implication. Mm. Which is a shitty one. Yeah. Boy. But it, I, it does explain the reactions in the story. Yes. But I don't I don't like the story beat. <laughs> right. I'm I'm well I yeah, that's I don't think it's necessary. It seems a little bit but I just would have assumed that it, it was just like the way that they phrase it, right? Is more like, oh, I regret having this relationship with someone who sucks. Well um and I would prefer that interpretation. I'm just I, I'd prefer that. if that is it, but that doesn't match the I know. The it doesn't match like the timeline or the I I mean, I get it. And then Ivy's like has this sort of like vague level of shock, like, oh my God. Well what they say in the in the chapter when Ivy and Carmen are talking about it and Maggie's overhearing. Mm-hmm. Um I thoroughly suspected my mother would rebuke Ivy for her nosiness, but I was surprised when she actually answered her. I realized I was pregnant with Maggie about a month or so after the whole business with my father's Avalon's kidnapping. Oh, that's right. They didn't make that specific. Oh, a beat. I guess. Wait, not... Yes, my mother answered. Carmen, I, I'm so sorry. Ivy's voice was both shocked and sympathetic. Yeah. And then she, Carmen goes on, I'm not. When Maggie is concerned, I, re- I regret nothing and talks about... Yeah. I like... Maggie's her life now, but yeah, I would have preferred the read of "I'm so sorry that the dad turned out to be a shitty human," but but, but I would have preferred that. For, but yeah. for, for Ivy to no, have I, been able yeah, to make that connection—that's that's definitely the implication. Yeah, it is. It that, is. Reading this and then going and back and watching those episodes, I had assumed it was like mm. a, a villain, someone who turned villain or turned yeah. or something. But yeah, I mean, it was, but like. um I mean, I don't know. We should probably stop dancing around the actual thing, which is like she was sexually assaulted. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the implication. That's the implication. So that sucks, and I'm not exactly sure why the author chose to include it because I'm, and I'm not. This isn't necessarily criticism. I'm just I, I literally I always wonder because these things should be used to me like carefully and with import. I would think that the idea here is that the author wanted a reason for Carmen to have had a kid beyond just she decided she would have a kid. And so, like, producing a scenario where mm. she where there's coercive sex going on, I guess that's is, pro- was probably the author's attempt to provide a justification. And also why Carmen would be absolutely against telling her right because like she doesn't she doesn't need to know it doesn't matter it will and it makes the comment that you know maggie threw out when you know she was young uh kind of sting a little more like how could you be so smart and still have unprotected Mm -hmm. sex because then you kind of go oh well she didn't she wouldn't right yeah yeah um but it's like it's one of those things as an adult trying to deal with you know your kid, a kid, right? To deal with these things. It's mm-hmm. like, but and, and like these are bad things. But I like you as a person. Yeah, <laughs> and and the author's very kind to her, to their characters about it. Like mm-hmm. during that revolution, a revelation there, 
Um, it is to my mother's credit and all the love she so generously gave me that I never let this revelation diminish my own self-worth. Like, you know, the... Well, it also talks about when it mentions that Carmen told her without saying explicitly what it is. Um, yeah, talking about how strong Carmen is because mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it does make me want to... And, hear... and if I had thought my mother brave, complex, conflicted before, and my estimation of her now increased a thousandfold. She's without a doubt the strongest person I've ever met or expected to meet mm-hmm. in relation to being told what yeah. happened. Right. And it, it, it works. It, it works for this kind of like full circle that Maggie's come to in terms of relationship with her mother, which yeah. is both very uh, typical teenager and also unique to the Barb well, San Diego yeah. as well. But... And, and the next couple sentences, the truth when I finally heard it was hard to hear. Do not bring me a fairy tale ending, but then again, I never really needed one. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But again, I mean, I guess I will ask that question if that was it, it again, it, it does explain certain things, but I'm not sure if it was necessary. Yeah, I don't I would have written it something different. <laughs> um and <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I think it would have been fine to just leave it a mystery, but then again. You know, perhaps as a Carmen Fick writer, it's hard not to leave clues that allow someone to solve a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be solvable. It has to be solvable. Well, and you know, I'm not 100% against it. I just feel like, you know, it, I guess maybe my reaction is the fact that, like, sometimes, you know, sexual assault is just used as, like, a throwaway. And I, I don't think the author was meaning it that way. No. But in the, I think, if I had no like context for how that trope's been used, that it probably wouldn't bother me. But like, it slightly bothers me just because I'm like, what was your intention here? Well, it gives uh, Carmen's um, motivations and reticence to mm-hmm. talk about herself yeah. more more weight. It does. We're, Certainly, we're, it's less just like I'm not going to tell you about your father because yeah, because that just seems like yeah, that's just <laughs> an asshole move. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and it definitely works in that sense. I think I would like to see a follow-up fic for this, honestly. I would like to see more of that, like, relationship between, um, you know, the mother and daughter just, like, explored. That'd be fun. I mean, I think it'd just be fluff, though. But well, yeah, I'm, I'm for that. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, I don't know, maybe, like, more of a deep dive into Carmen's psyche. Like, not necessarily around, like, any of her trauma, but just, like... Well, I, I think if we did a continuation of this, it would have to be something from Carmen's POV. Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. 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 I would like that. The yeah. author, by the way, has written plenty of other Carmen San Diego fanfic, just not a follow-up to this story specifically. One and- of them, a short fanfic here, is under the humor category on fanfiction.net, <laughs> in which Carmen begins one of the most significant, lasting relationships of her life. Yeah, I'm talking about how she met her red fedora. It's called The Tale of the Hat. Love it. <laughs> I might have to read this. <laughs> it's quite short. Yeah. But it, it seemed like this fanfic was very um, targeted at uh, parent-kid relationships. At, at the beginning, it said, um, author's note, dedicated to anyone who has ever contemplated motherhood. Mm-hmm. It's very sweet. Very it's nice. Um, it was a good fanfic. <laughs> so, I enjoyed reading it. Yeah. <laughs> you... You sent a text message saying like, oh, you actually finished this fanfic and early too. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I I, I thought I had, I I sensed a winner in this one when I was looking around for Carmen Fick. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> it was good. It was so reluctant good. To, re- to admit that. <laughs> okay, okay. I want to state my last point of criticism because okay. I feel like we are already doing our criticism in a way, okay. right? Is yeah. that true? We're on criticism and then we'll move on to praise. Sure. Okay. My last <laughs> thing is that I sort of alluded to this, but there is one paragraph that this is as an example, contains the terms clouded with tears, eyes clouded with tears. She sniffed as if to banish them, banishing the tears. She stood still as a statue and steely gaze. And that's all in one paragraph. No, I'm saying that um, there is a lot of cliched phrases. Mm. So those are all cliched phrases that existed in one paragraph of the text. Now, this isn't the worst thing in the world. But if I had to pick on something, I would say they maybe could have varied it a little because I like it's not wrong to to use these idioms or these common phrases. It's just that that was all like that's a lot it, of idioms. It's frequent. It's frequent. That's I, all I'm saying. Yeah, I just accepted it as the the tone of the writing. So there's Indeed, a lot but of, it does kind of get in the way for me at points. Well, because like there's a lot of phrases that like bordered on maybe cheesier or melodramatic talking about how Indeed. there's a handgun in the place where a father should be. <laughs> and if you take it in that tone, I can understand being annoyed, but that though, but that's, that's the thing. I, I did like that tone. So those, I didn't notice and, or it doesn't bother me that those uh, kind of cliche things. Mm-hmm. Completely fair. Um, yeah, I, I guess there's a difference to me between being like a bit melodramatic and using like a lot of cliches. And this wasn't something that stood out a lot. It just, like, it, there was a certain point towards the end where I went, like, oh, my God, how many cliches have I heard, you know? <laughs> I see. All right. Well, why don't we move on to our final praise then, which we've, you know, we've also <laughs> been delivering quite a bit of praise as we went along. Yeah, I just enjoyed reading it. <laughs> it's a great fic. It was well-written. I mean, considering how we read most of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think... I mean, my praise has got to be like, I just couldn't resist reading so many of these things. And it's not so much. I I mean, I've read more beautiful prose, Mm -hmm. but there's just so many little pointed character bits in this story. There's so many of them that I thought were effective, that those are the things that I wanted to hit over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think that's... um, I mean, it's remarkable in that I feel the need to remark on it. It is not, <laughs> I don't get that from most fanfics I read. They're not just Definitely peppered remarkable. with all these great little character bits that like, like this fanfic is. Oh, and beyond that, that it's Carmen San Diego, which like, I just wouldn't have expected this sort of depth from, you know? Um, well, it's like, I think that's another thing to praise is that it's a very good character study of this character taken out of the context that that character operates in, right? Yeah, because this is Indeed. transformative. This it is, is very different from the tone of the original media. It is asking, what would Carmen San Diego be like as a mother? What would it be like to have her as a mother? And it feels very well done, partially because she's, despite being like the super, super badass idealized master thief person in the cartoon, yeah. that doesn't mean she's the most wonderful parent imaginable. Yeah. Like there's at least a couple points here where like she mentions what like, like, that we talked about where it's like, these are areas where she's kind of traumatized from her childhood yeah. because mm. of who her mother was. It's like, it, 
it mentions how she's starting using guns now because she's a mother and she's something to protect, but it's not the kind of story where she actually uses guns. That's right. That was fun. And that's just a character beat. Yeah. Like, right, exactly. I might even want to like walk back my criticism of the cliches <laughs> in the sense of that this was their attempt to balance the kind of like, I guess, corny is that the right word? Tone of the the show. I think that's fair for most nineties cartoons. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. That feels a little extreme, but you know that sort of that tone with the thing they wanted to bring in. Like we mentioned, the higher stakes drama. The it, it's a balance that does actually keep the fanfic in tone for the series in a really weird way that I don't even know how to describe. It's like how do you do that? How do you make it so serious and still kind of keep the tone so maybe that was their attempt to, it's like to the same that. tone in a completely different genre is what you're yeah, trying to say or i, I don't even like know what i'm trying to say yeah, i'm just saying that like they kept certain things light by including those idioms and those yeah kind of light-hearted moments well, i think also how the characters talk because like those are those characters that would be in a kind of a cheesy kid show just yeah in a different kind of story but still the same character Oh, similar characters. Mm. Right. Sure. They accomplished a blending that I didn't think was possible. Mm, that's good. Blending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Zach and Ivy are well portrayed, too. They don't have the same psychological depth as Carmen in this fanfic. Because you see them for like a second. Right. But, like, they feel right when you see them. Definitely. Yeah. Like, they do feel like more mature versions of themselves. Exactly. I mean, 15 years later. <laughs> Della, do you have any last praise we haven't hit on? Um, There's just... I highlighted so many, so many sections. I know. We ended up uh, reading a lot of them out, out loud. It was fun to read. And I enjoyed the franchise. This is from, I, I enjoyed rewatching it. I enjoyed looking up the wiki. I, I just had fun. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It was fun just to get back and like do a little Carmen Sandiego research and like rewatch a little bit and experience the theme song, which was way better than I remembered. And <laughs> apparently just like a Mozart piece. Yeah, it's from a Mozart opera. Okay, there you mm. go. It is opera. Yes, it, it is opera. You were talking about how this should, should be an opera. San Diego o- opera. <laughs> with, with that operatic arrangement as it's like, I got some, got some news for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, so I just wanted to add one last thing here. As, as much as uh, there are cliched turns of phrase, there's, way it's weighted way way more to unique turns of phrase Mm. which i enjoy Mm. quite a bit um and in fact might be how i'm feeling right now there had to be a limit to the amount of emotions a person could feel in a day before the central processing unit of their soul (laughs) short-circuited yeah yep yeah good note to add dot right (laughs) and on that note um yeah, we, we did not make it possible to guess where we're recording from, but you could look for clues from previous episodes, such as when we distinctly state where we are repeatedly. And the, the episode, the, the podcast art. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That, that is the room we're recording in. Mm-hmm. I can, I'm going to look at Legolas staring at me. So we're fair. recording from what, 2000 and, you know, three? Uh, we, we had to have some sort of geographical reference also. <laughs> when did the two towers come Temporal... Out? Place, cultural, yeah. If you can find our exact Google Maps pinpoint on a map, Don't. we will give you exactly <laughs> one Statue of Liberty. <laughs> we'll give you a coupon 
that's good for redemption for one Statue of Liberty, but you have to go cash it yourself. <laughs> okay, that's better. All right, yeah, revised. You have to ship it yourself. This was episode 159 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, Parthenogenesis by Green Lion. It's a where on earth is Carmen Sandiego? Not in the world where and not in the, the earth. the world is... <laughs> no, where on Carmen earth? Carmen Sandiego. <laughs> I can do that part. Nice. <laughs> uh, lost. It's only like lost in the... I don't remember. <laughs> Fine. I won't um, be part of it. I'm just happy I got to do Barry's Carmen Sandiego line. Yeah, it's good. All right. It, it is, yeah. He looks so happy when he's doing it, too, if you, like, watch that. That's like his... Uh, you don't get very many bass solos, you know? No, you don't. <laughs> I mean, also, can, I think he's Can confirm, you do not get many bass solos. He's <laughs> having fun with it. Anyway, um, if you are looking for this fanfic, you're going to have to find it yourself. But... No, we that, will give you a handful of clues. <laughs> no, that's a shitty thing to do, Amato. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's on fanfiction.net. I'll, I'll give you a link. It's fine. Yeah. Um, give away the game. Well, yeah, we, I know. We, we don't gatekeep here. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Not like Carmen Sandiego hogging those pyramids for herself. <laughs> the intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. And the outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. What opera were they stolen from again? Hmm? Yeah. Did you expect me to have a bit for this? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can actually find those and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. I can't come up with opera bits off the cuff. Magic <laughs> flute was the <laughs> the one thing I had. I can I, do a light opera, I think. <laughs> our podcast is edited by Della Rose, who is present with us right here. But if you rearrange the letters of her name, you'll find that it spells Carmen San Diego. <laughs> wow. <laughs> If you're very bad at rearranging <laughs> the letters of names. I totally am. <laughs> you can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, please contact us on Twitter at retrofanfic, Facebook at retrofanfic, send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com, or leave comments or reviews on your podcast service that you're definitely using to listen to this because so many people listen to us or a trail of clues for us to follow there you go <laughs> so easy to do bits carmen san diego bits they just write themselves yeah anyway i'm amato i'm tori i'm Della. <laughs> we're just four somewhere on earth life forms trying to be nice to each other until next time take care wait four <laughs> i'm sorry one? oh my god who's that in the corner <laughs> That was a mistake, but it could also be a mystery. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, what what happened during this recording? We were having too much fun. Just I think too right. much. I think Man, Carmen was always amazingly dressed in like everything. She had like the whole red thing and like later it's winter she has like a, like a red suit like a white thing on the bottom. I, I was great. I was watching the high tech bank heist and there was a moment where I was like, wait, you're wearing high heels. You're wearing oh. high heels for this? Mm -hmm. Like you need to? She usually is. The other thing I noted in the episode I watched is that when she she does like a zip line type dealing, right? Her coat blows open, her legs are completely bare. <laughs> I'm like, I guess you're wearing some short shorts under there or something. <laughs> like long coat but no pants. Damn girl. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but yeah, I do like how the fanfic describes her as like perfectly plucked eyebrows. And stuff. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. The yeah. ruby lips. Thinking like, back to the opening on the Statue of Liberty where like, you know, they catch up to her mm. and there's a shot of her face and she tips her hat slightly and she's smirking the whole time. But there's a little twitch in her smirk. That's yeah. Like ex- mm-hmm. showing that like some kind of emotion is she's happening. She's having fun with this. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. I, I didn't talk about Rita Moreno at all. She does a great job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in like, I don't know. I don't know. I guess because I grew up with this, it just never occurred to me that like Karma San Diego is the gentlelwoman thief. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. But you don't get a lot of that. Like, not a lot. No. Kind of. She's, she's you'd think not. She'd be so influential at this point, being like 30 years old. Because, like, or when you get a thief but... archetype, you get like cats. Cat burglar. Right. Yeah. Indeed. And she's, she's not the cat burglar no. archetype. She's the wearing a suit, like, kind of, you know. She's the gentleman thief. She's the gentleman thief. Just, yeah be a woman at the same time yeah right. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah oh for sure uh, okay yeah definitely i'm gonna turn this off now <laughs> mad respect